are invited to get out your Bible or get onto your Bible app on your phone and go to today's reading, which is from the book of Acts, chapter 20, verses 7 through 12. Bibles are available on the backs of the chairs, and they are free for the taking if anyone needs one. So now today's scripture reading, Acts 20, 7 through 12. On the first day of the week, when we met to break bread, Paul was holding a discussion with them. Since he intended to leave the next day, he continued speaking until midnight. There were many lamps in the room upstairs where we were meeting. A young man named Eutychus, who was sitting in the window, began to sink off into a deep sleep while Paul talked still longer. Overcome by sleep, he fell to the ground three floors below and was picked up dead. But Paul went down and bending over him, took him in his arms and said, do not be alarmed for his life is in him. Then Paul went upstairs and after he had broken bread and eaten, he continued to converse with them until dawn. Then he left. Meanwhile, they had taken the boy away alive and were not a little comforted. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And grace and peace again to you, beloved. Let's see what the word of the day is. <laughs> I appreciate the, the note with it as well. Let's take a deep breath. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight this morning, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Years ago, before I attended seminary, I worked with the youth of my home church, and it took me by surprise how quickly middle school and high school students can fall asleep in worship. And I'm not just talking about Sunday mornings. I've never seen Shannon fall asleep. She's, she's blinking at me fiercely right now. I'm not just talking about Sunday morning, though. I'm also talking about the big youth rallies that are exciting and loud. We could go from clapping and singing and celebrating one moment to the moment when someone stands up to preach and then the youth are sawing logs within seconds. And at one particular event, one of the speakers dared to say something to the youth about it. Apparently, it is not a new situation. Our text for today tells us that while the great apostle Paul is preaching, a young man falls asleep and then right out the window. Only because everything turns out all right, is this story funny? It's the perfect conclusion for our worship series, Bible stories that make us LOL or laugh out loud. 
During the past several weeks, we've talked about the importance of humor in our faith and our need to recognize how ridiculous our human response is sometimes to the work of God in our lives and in the world. So far, we talked about a kid who would not sleep. We talked about the time Jesus was so hangry that he cursed a fig tree. We talked about Jonah's anger toward God for being too gracious. And we talked about Peter's choice to put on his coat and then jump into the sea. This brings us to the most boring sermon ever. Now, if ever a topic would strike fear into the heart of a preacher, it would be this one. But Paul was not doing himself any favors. He was on his third missionary journey, serving in the city of Trous, and our text tells us that he was planning to leave the next day, so he just decided to preach until midnight. The story is being told from the perspective of Luke, who is credited with writing the gospel that bears his name, but also with writing the book of Acts. Luke is the we that Kathy spoke about in verse 7. In three sections in the book of Acts, we are given eyewitness accounts of what's going on with Paul and with the others. The witness is Luke. So it would make Paul and Luke two of the three musketeers. The eyewitness is Luke. He accompanies Paul from Traus, from Philippi, and from Caesarea. There's a lot of details to remember. So rather than give you all of the dates and the names and the timeline, I just want you to take a look at this map. If you remember anything about this map, just remember that Paul's ministry basically took place in three missionary journeys over a span of nine years. There was a fourth journey from Caesarea to Rome when he was a prisoner. But we're basically talking about three missionary journeys over a span of nine years. And Luke is with him on many of those journeys. That's what we see on the map with the four colorful lines. And today's story takes place, again, in the city of Traus, which is on the coast of the Aegean Sea, in what we would know today as Turkey. It is here that Paul meets a man named Eutychus, which also means fortunate. More accurately, Eutychus encounters Paul's preaching probably for the first time in his lifetime. And we can imagine Paul is looking something like this as he goes on and on and on, making point after point in that upper room while the oil lamps are burning, hoping that people will not nod off. But as the night draws on, young Eutychus struggles to stay awake, and we can imagine that he's yawning to try to stay focused, and he's losing the battle to his own fatigue, and so he starts snoozing. He falls into a deep sleep, the text tells us, and he's slumping, and he's slumping, and he's slumping until he falls right out the third-story window to his death. Immediately after the young man falls out the window, Paul rushes to the scene. I want to read those verses again so we can take another look at them. So I hope you have your Bibles still open to Acts chapter 20. You can use your Bible app as well. There are Bibles in front of you. 
Acts chapter 20. We'll read verses 9 through 12. If you're looking for the book, it's in the New Testament right after the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it serves as a sequel to Luke. So chapter 9, I mean, sorry, chapter 20. I apologize. Chapter 20, verses 9 through 12. But Paul went down and bending over Eutychus, took him in his arms and said, do not be alarmed for his life is in him. Then Paul went upstairs and after he had broken bread and eaten, he continued to converse with them until dawn and then he left. Meanwhile, they had taken the boy away alive and were not a little comforted. So we never hear from Eutychus again but he is long remembered for proving his name to be true. For how much more fortunate can you be to experience a temporary death? Can you just imagine what the people were thinking as Paul pronounces Eutychus alive? They had witnessed the young man fall out the window. They could see that he was dead. And yet Paul leans over the boy, looks back up at the crowd, and says, do not be alarmed for his life is in him. When I read this part of the passage last week, I could not help but feel a little bit amused by the fact that after Eutychus is taken away safely, Paul goes right back to talking. He certainly is not helping with the stereotype that preachers cannot help themselves but gab in a gathered audience. But there's much more going on here. First, we are told that Paul goes back upstairs to break bread with the other followers of Jesus who had come to worship with him. That's what they had really gathered to do, we are told in verse 7. The purpose of their meeting was to break bread together, which is one of the reasons that we celebrate Holy Communion at Morningstar every week. The celebration of communion is, dare I say it, more important than the sermon. It's a live act of grace that reminds us that Jesus is holding us together and healing us in our brokenness and giving us new life every day, which is what makes Paul's response to the death of Eutychus so perfect. Do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. Do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. Do you hear the double meaning? His life. Eutychus's life is in Eutychus, and Jesus's life is in Eutychus as well. New life, resurrected life. Remember, this is the book of Acts. So Jesus has already risen from the dead and given the promise of new life for all. So what Paul is doing then by going back upstairs is grounding the promise of new life, which pardon me, Eutychus has undeniably experienced, Tying that promise of new life in the breaking of the bread, which becomes a sacrament for us. We don't know what Paul said to the crowd who had just witnessed the miracle, but one preacher to another, I hope he didn't miss the opportunity to tell his own story. Years before, Paul himself had been asleep in his own religion, persecuting followers of Jesus literally to death. And then he went blind, and receiving new sight was the wake-up call that he needed. We can find the story in Acts chapter 9. So if you have your Bible still open to 20, you just need to go back a few chapters 
to chapter 9, and we'll read verses 17 through 20. And as you are finding that, I will give you a little bit of background. This part of the story takes place after Paul meets Jesus on the road to Damascus, and the encounter leads, leaves Paul unable to see. This is representative of the blind rage that he has been inflicting upon followers of Jesus in the name of God. So Paul's friends lead him to Damascus, where he does not eat or drink anything for three days. And at the same time, a follower of Jesus named Ananias, also in Damascus, is given a message from God to find Paul and to lay hands on him and to heal him so that he can see again. Now, Ananias had heard of Paul. And so you can guess that he was a little bit hesitant to go and find this person who was killing followers of Jesus. But God tells Ananias, Paul is being called to share the good news. And so that's where we pick up in verse 17 of chapter 9. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul, Paul, and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on your way here has sent me that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. And then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. He regained his strength. And after that, he went into the synagogues, proclaiming that Jesus is the Son of God. So we have this story here of how Paul became a new man, dead to his old ways, given new sight and bursting to share the good news of what God can do in the life of a human being through Jesus the Christ. Maybe that's why he couldn't stop talking. Even when he saw eyes drooping. So just for fun, I'm wondering, can you tell me, what are some reasons that people fall asleep in church? Seriously. We're just sitting. Carol? In farm, farm country, they've been up too long, they've been harvesting, sleep apnea, anything else? Party too late. It's a safe place. I like that positive spin. Jesse? You get bored. Yeah. Yeah. I think everyone else was afraid to say that. But I'm glad that I'm glad that you did. According to our friends from evergrowingchristian.com, some of the most prevalent reasons are some that you've mentioned. Poor sleep the night before, health conditions or medications that make it hard for people to stay awake, comfortable conditions in the sanctuary, a lack of activity during the sermon, and my personal favorite, the shortcomings of the preacher. But some also attribute sleeping during the sermon to demonic activity. You can take that or leave that, but it did, it did make the list. Do you, do you want to know why I think sometimes you fall asleep? You're tired. You're tired. There's so much going on in our lives to keep us so busy, and there's so much going on in the world to keep us up at night. There's just so much, and when we get still and we get quiet, we tend to doze, and that's exactly what the speaker at the youth rally said, by the way. 
She said, if you can fall asleep while I am speaking, then your body and your brain probably need to rest, and that's okay. And I would agree. Now, I'm not saying that you should come to church to take a nap. <laughs> I'm not saying that. But I'm much more concerned about your staying awake in your life. I'm most concerned about your staying awake to the life of Jesus that is within you. Much like Eutychus, we have been freed from a temporary death. But so much of us choose to remain dead. What I mean by that is we have this opportunity in Jesus to live differently, to live better, to live wholeheartedly. But so many of us choose to remain stuck in our pain and in our resentment, settling for much less than what God wants for us. Last week, I heard a new Christian, in all of her genuine enthusiasm, she was in a different community of faith, but in all of her enthusiasm, she was lamenting the attitude and the behavior of some of the people in her congregation. I don't understand, she said, why people in our churches don't speak or act as if God is alive. I don't understand why people in our churches don't speak or act as if God is alive. During our five-week sermon series, we've been having so much fun with these funny passages from our Bible, but this statement is anything but funny. And before we take offense to it, it might be worth considering if there's any truth in it for each of us. So my question for all of us this week is actually twofold. Have we fallen asleep in our faith? And how is God calling us to wake up? Maybe you're called to wake up and to live as if God is alive through serving with our food pantry or volunteering to read scripture on Sunday morning or to start a practice of giving or to serve with our children or our youth or to inquire about baptism. My invitation for you this week is, is to please, and not for your own sake, ask yourselves, have I fallen asleep in my faith? And if so, how is God calling me to wake up? These are important questions, beloved, because the community of Morningstar and the people of the world, they need to experience Jesus through you. Otherwise, we're just throwing our faith out the window. Amen? Amen. We move to a time of prayer. We are a praying community at Morningstar, so I hope that you are sharing your prayer concerns on your Connect card. Kids, in your worship bags, you will find your wooden crosses. So you can hold those crosses and remind yourselves that we are connected with God and with each other as we pray. Let's take a deep breath. Gracious and loving God, we do love you and we desire to love you all the more. Help us to remain wide awake in our life of faith. Help us to keep our eyes on you through all things so that we are always prepared for you when you come to us, as you are always with us. And Jesus, we trust in you by the power of your spirit. In your name we pray. Amen.